What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Mongols brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. I'm Mike. With me is Kev and Steve. The Hound season has officially come to a close, and we are going to rip off the mandate to discuss the game at Lynn Family Stadium before turning our attention to what might be next for this team. Let's go. Steve, I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. What's uh, what's new? What's good? Um, yeah, things are good. Um, you know, I think this weekend has been great. I've uh, been outside as much as I can. Uh, Friday, working on the house, uh, pulled down the back gutter, put up some fascia board, painted some other fascia board. Uh, yesterday, uh, we went for a 80-mile uh, bike ride on the Gap Trail down past McKeesport, uh, a section I'd never done before. Um, so neither of us have been on our bikes in uh, like a month, month and a half. So um, between that and getting up and down the ladder the day before, we hit the nine-mile mark, and I was just like, I'm toast. Like, I want to try to push myself, try to do uh, at least 20 total, push it if I could have to get to uh, West Newton. Um, but that wasn't happening. So only did the only, and it was, it was a struggle on the way back, but great to be outside. Um, uh, and then today taking it easy, uh, buddy of mine uh, that I met actually in the stands um, uh, for the hounds um, came up. We went down to the brewery for a little bit, caught up. Um, so yeah. Nice. I was gonna say gutter and fascia board. That's not like amateur stuff. That's like real oh, homeowner stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it needs to be done. <laughs> I think fascia board might be the most adult phrase I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no teenager has ever said fascia board. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> okay, what's uh, what's new with you? Uh, not much. Also got outside this weekend, uh, got into the Smokies and did a little bit of a hike there. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. it. It was one of those weekends that was just sort of built for the outdoors. Um, mm -hmm. You know, mid 70s. We, we went for a hike. Uh, we took the scout troop yesterday. We went for a hike. Um, and then there was this event where they were supposed to catch a bunch of owls. And then we were going to sort of interact with the owls. But unfortunately, owls are very weather dependent. So it was a little bit too windy and uh, it rained a little bit. So they, the owls were like, no, we ain't coming out. But the hike itself, the hike was only three miles. And I was like, this is gonna be a piece of cake. But I dressed as if it was like mid 50s. And it was mostly uphill. Uh, and so like I get halfway up this hill and I'm like, you know, pouring sweat through my jeans and my flannel. Um, so and I'm, I'm listening to these scouts just sort of ramble on about the most random things. Um, so I, I had a similar setup where I was planning for like mid 60s cloudy day with a lot of elevation gain and ended up getting like probably like mid to low 50s rain and a lot of wind and it was just like not great but yeah. you know it was, it was still fine yeah well um i think it was good that we all got out because it sounds like we're sort of clearing our heads a little bit which makes you know the following <laughs> conversation all the more difficult walking it um, all off just, I literally yeah, yeah. listen I, I was fully prepared to to do the show uh, last Monday, sort of right after the loss. But then I realized that it was Halloween and I was like, I'm taking my kids out for Halloween and I'm not going through this right now. So we're just going to wait and postpone it. And kudos to Houndsy. If you sort of want the uh, 
play-by-play reaction to everything that happened in the game. I think they have it pretty well covered. Go over and listen to the latest episode. Uh, Great job over there. But guys, I do think that it's important that we at least touch on this game a little bit and just sort of get a sense of what what were the highlights? What are the things that you guys feel are the most important things that we talk about um, as it relates to this game? Obviously, the Hound season is over. There's there's nothing that we're going to say that's going to change that. And so typically we'll talk about a game and sort of nitpick little things and try to figure out, you know, what do we think the team should try to clean up for next time? There is no next time. So I think that the points that we sort of touch on are really just going to sort of be those high points of high or low points of uh, things that either surprised us or didn't. And then we'll sort of move on to what might be next. And, you know, we sort of talked a little bit off air. I don't expect this to be sort of a full season recap. But I do think that there's a lot of things going through Hounds fans' minds right now, including ours. And so just to sort of talk through that a little bit is cathartic. And so we'll do that, and then we'll play in sort of the the bigger season recap where we'll have you know the rest of uh, the Mongols crew on. I'd love to do sort of a cross show with Houndsy at some point. I think just all of us sort of collabing and getting our ideas will be great. But uh, I just sort of talk through the summary for like the next <laughs> – two or three months so let's come <laughs> back to this game yeah so okay so hounds hounds technically draw with louisville at lynn family 2-2 and then go to extra time and ultimately lose on pens steve now that you've had sort of a week to process this what uh, what were your thoughts on the game i mean obvious disappointment being up 2-0 at that point in the game and not advancing uh um, I think there's a lot that I could take away from that. I, I, I don't think that it's so much that the players at any given moment uh, are at fault per se, right? Uh, Louisville is a good team and they forced things to happen. Um, so I, I don't think it's that we had big mental lapses. Sure, we could have been cleaner. Uh, Shane could have been a little bit better uh, marking uh, Widener on that, on that uh, PK call, right? I, I think those are the types of things though that at this level, those are the things that happen all the time. And um, <clears throat> it's much more for me that Louisville found a way back into the game and they, they forced some things to happen. Um, my big takeaway though, I think is I just am really continually dissatisfied throughout the season. And this was another example of it, of the defensive substitutions that all of a sudden result in ties instead of losses or instead of wins, right? Like we're up and Bob throws on defenders and Mark Ibarra, and then we don't get three points. And that happened multiple times throughout the season and it happened in this game. And that's a problem. And that's why we didn't play this weekend. In my mind. I, I'd like to just sort of noodle on that just for a second, because this was something that Hounsley brought up as well. And it was something that was going through my mind heading into this show is I totally agree. I think that in hindsight, when you look at the substitutes, you could have made the argument for, well, let's just keep playing. Like, let's just keep Louisville on their toes. Let's just keep pushing. Mm -hmm. But if you do that and you give up two goals, then immediately we, you know, point at Lily and say, why didn't you get more? Why didn't you just shut it down? Like, why not just get more defensive? And it would be interesting. I think when we go to do our season recap to sort of look back at the number of games where, I do think there is a trend as you're, as you're sort of alluding to and saying here that oftentimes stuff is happening after the subs are put on 
that ultimately impact whether or not we're walking away with three points or not. Mm -hmm. And you're right. There are questions that need to be asked there. Um, it's interesting. Kev, what, what are your thoughts? Um, uh, I, my thoughts are the ha after an end of the season where I was all but, you know, mentally on vacation with this team, not expecting anything. Um, I thought they went to what may turn out to be the best team in the USL are the best team in the Eastern conference. And I thought, I don't know. I thought they were better than them. I thought they were better than Birmingham. They were better than Louisville. Um, and it's unfortunate how the dice kind of played out throughout the game. Um, so I, I don't know. I can't help but feel uh, proud's the wrong word. This just feels too sappy, but like, um, I'm, I'm, I, I was impressed and surprised at how well this team, uh, put a team like Louisville to the sword at, at home in a, in, in playoff pressure. And yeah, that's, uh, that's about as much as I want to kind of comment on it. I mean, th there, there are like fine details that I thought were, that were kind of interesting. Um, you know, I don't, I agree with you, Steve, that like, okay, wheat was out of position for the PK call, but I don't particularly think it was a penalty either. I think it was just kind of shoulder to shoulder and the guy went over. Um, I, I mean, it looked like Kizzo was on side um, an extra time and that didn't get called. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there, I, I don't think this was a game where we wrote, wrote our luck and just happened to lose in penalties. Like I, I, I thought this was a game where we were better. Um, and, it, and, and to say we'd make it to the second round of the playoffs, go to Louisville and be better than them and push them the penalties. Pfft, no way. I, I would have never bet on that at the end of the season. And so I, it's, it's hard for me to say anything else, but, but positivity on that. Um, you know, I thought, once again, the first goal comes from a Mertz cross that was just tasty. Same thing that happened in Birmingham. Um, I, so, I, you know, and, and just a couple. I mean, Cicerone just really turning it up when the pressure was on. Um, so good performances all around. Unfortunate that it had to end that way. But after, after a rough end of the season, it was, I, I thought, a really good playoff mm -hmm. push. I uh, I titled this episode "It's the Hope" because I felt like going into this game, I did not feel like I had much hope about the team. Um, you know, especially Kev, you referenced sort of the season that we had. It was just kind of like, okay, we're going to go to Louisville, we're going to lose, you know, and then we're going to figure out what happens in the off season. And it just felt like it was very um, river houndsy to get our hopes up to the point that it's like, Oh no, wait, we're up to nothing. Like we can actually pull this off. And, and then, you know, to have that take it all away makes the loss hurt even more. Like, I think if we would mm -hmm. just rolled up and lost to nothing in this game, I would have been like, ah, well, you know, Louisville was a better team all season. And, you know, even though Louisville was down to their second string keeper, third string for the, for the pens, um, and they were missing a bunch of players like great, you know, this is just the season we had, but it, it figures that we go up to nothing. We get our hopes up and um, just to have them 
completely crushed when all of that was taken away in one fell swoop, it, you know, over the course of literally three minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's important. I mean, like, I don't think Tampa played as well against Louisville that, as we did. And, you know, that was in the finals of the Eastern Conference. And, you know, I don't know. I, so, yeah, I don't know. I get what you're saying. It For me, though, the frustrating part is that's what we could have seen many more times this year and didn't. And so, yeah, hope in that, but also the grounding reality of at times we could have avoided games like this uh, in the playoffs if we had been better. Um, We probably still would have faced Louisville at some point, but if we had played that well against uh, the New York Red Bulls, instead of drawing them 2-2 against Charleston, instead of losing 3-0 in the season, that's, a big difference in where we were sitting in the table with a few different results because we played well um, against teams that you don't need to play well to be uh, much less losing to Tampa Bay by three goals in a seven goal game, right? Like a winnable game for us as too as well. If we had played like we played last weekend. Um, but I, I think it's frustrating because I think you're both right. Yeah. A few minutes worth of, time that Louisville was definitively the better team, but that's what good teams do. They find a way to make the most of small opportunities and what, 120 minutes. They were really, really good against us for 10 of that, that we couldn't compete with, I feel like, um, or do better. And that's the result. Go to penalties and take your shots. When when uh when Louisville got the red card in the game against Tampa, I was still like, no, like Louisville's still gonna win this. <laughs> like there, I don't know. To me, that's just that's that's the bar at which I I see Louisville is just their incredible professionalism about everything. So yeah, finding their moments and kind of capitalizing on them is it's hard. It's it's hard to stay two nil up against a team like that in the playoffs when you're home. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I like. Do you guys think we did particularly poorly for the goals that we let up against Louisville? I mean, I well, I kind of made my yeah. thoughts known for the penalty. I thought it was okay. Yeah, Shane was a little out of position, but I thought it was kind of a soft penalty. The first goal, it's just like, yeah, they crash the net, they get the rebound, and they knock it in. Like I, I like I don't think, um, I don't know. I don't think anyone particularly didn't didn't like defend that poorly. You know, I thought. Jamali Waite like didn't do anything wrong. Like I, it, it was. I mean, he did everything right. Yeah. yeah, pushed it wide. I mean, the angle that that goal was scored from was so tight. I mean, yeah. I think in this league, eight out of ten times, that's not on frame. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think Kev, your point about you know it being Louisville and the bar is always there. Mm-hmm. This this was our opportunity to exercise those demons because, you know, I think we called the last episode kryptonite mm-hmm. because, you know, we seem to be Birmingham's kryptonite. Louisville seems to be ours. At this point, I'm I'm just sort of reserved to the fact that we are never going to beat Louisville in the playoffs. No, like, stop it. Mike, that's listen. such an Evertonian outlook. You cannot have that outlook. But what, what, what else do we have to do, Kev? Like, literally everything was in our favor aside from this mark like literally they were down to their second string keeper they're missing a number of their key players we're up to nothing with essentially eight minutes left in the game and they come back and then they beat us in pens i think and you're putting just, too much on like fate and destiny but no, but, ideals and no, it's just, but that's i think not, i, I think, think this, my, like, this stuff can happen right like sure it's 
you have a 20% chance of rolling a one or two on a 10 sided dice, but sometimes you roll a one or a two. Like it's just, it can happen. And you I don't were know. Such, you were such a D and D player. No, but like at what point are you going to feel comfortable going up against Louisville ever now? Like it's just, you, you sort of reference them as an organization. What do we have to do to get, to, they literally had beat two, them. what 19 year olds yeah. that were taking pens. Like, we have to be. They are head and shoulders above anybody else in the East at this point. But, we, but yeah. I think that's part of it. Go ahead, Kev. No, I'll, I'll no, I, I was just going <laughs> to say, yeah, no, like, this will be quick. So, Steve, be ready with your point. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, we have to beat them. You're right, Mike. We can have an incredible team. We can have an incredible starting 11 that on paper dwarfs Louisville's starting 11. And I'll still go into that game feeling a little, eh. But we have to put a string of two or three or four games together where we have two wins and two draws or, you know, and, and then that mentally turns the table on things. I don't think, but it's also like, I can't, I don't know. It can't really, I don't know. <laughs> I'll stop that. Uh, it is, it is that organizational uh, decision-making. That's why they're the better team because they're, they've got an organizational structure where they're going out and they're identifying talent, not just who's, available around the league through the connections that you have, not just what college players are graduating and might look good, but you're building a system in Louisville to identify talent at all ages and bring that talent in. And then when that talent's really good, you're keeping that talent or selling them for big fees overseas. That's something we don't see with the River Hounds. And to get there is still, I think, a number of steps. Because who's, who's, who's the most exciting young player we've had? The kid sitting question. that did that barely made any minutes and is scoring goals for Notre Dame by yeah. Corso, right? Like, and he didn't come yeah. through the, the Pittsburgh Academy. He came to the academy in his last couple of years of high school. So it, it's not that we have a structure that is really allowing for that long term uh, continuation of quality throughout the organization. Yeah. So I think generally I agree with your statement and the numbers in the past three years, right? What Louisville have finished first in their conference or division with the weird COVID year or whatever, the last like three or four years, ever since that, since we finished top of the table in the East, that alone backs up your statement. The fact, you know, they, they've won the USL recently. They're going to the USL finals completely, you know, on the other hand, you know, we were, a couple minutes away from taking sure. them out as well. And, and I, and I, but think, we didn't, but, but once I don't look, I, I understand how you, like, I understand the argument that you're yeah. like, you, okay, you know, go ahead. You can continue and you can end this. You can end a statement by, by your comment. And I agree. Like, I'm, yeah. but I'm, I'm so, and I think the subtext of, of what you were kind of laying out there, Steve was that, yeah, we're, we're like we're not like that organization right it's not like that we're trying to be like that and we're just kind of behind a couple years it's that we we function and operate in a completely different yeah. kind of uh kind of setup and i would say you know within that setup i don't i don't think it's like i don't know in my, in, in my opinion i don't think you need to do it one way in order to have success and and, and I agree that the Hounds are doing it a different way than what Louisville seemed to be doing it. And I agree that Louisville's system has produced a, a hell of a lot of great results. Um, but I trying to contrast that a little bit, 
you know, yeah, we, we pushed them in this year and we're, do, you know, we've, we've made the playoffs ever since the has been here. We, you know, we, we make a somewhat deeper in here and, I've, you know, so I don't know. I, I think there, there's an argument too that other systems work where, I mean, Lily does seem to be, let's see what's out there and I'll try to f- make a system around that. I mean, I would argue if you look globally, you know, you have coaches like Ancelotti who do that perfectly or like Zidane who do, who do that perfectly or just says, give me the talent and I don't rest, I don't need to play in a certain way. I'll play whatever whatever best fits these great group of players that I have. And I feel like that's kind of over the past couple of years, it's been Lily. Lily has, has a track record of historically being known in a certain way. And, you know, I, it's in vogue to be very Pep-like or it's in vogue to be like Conte-like or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, there are other managers who have great success who are just like, look, I'll just do, I'll do great things with a great group of players and I'll do, I'll, I'll do whatever it needs to be. And, and it, that seems, it's different yeah. than Louisville. And, I, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. I'm going to take issue with comparing it to a great manager with a great group of players. I think we've got a very good manager with good players. Yeah. And, and that's the difference, right? Like if we had better players, then maybe it'd be really different, right? Like, yeah. it, because I think the difference is that Bob Lilly will take a group of players and make them play above their, like they're, they're punching above their weight most of the time. But I think we saw it throughout the year and into the playoffs that when push came to shove, we didn't have the depth to really compete when things got tough. We didn't have that guy that could come off the bench that was going to light a spark under everything and make a big change until Eddie got signed and scores two goals against Birmingham, right? Like, say, like, that's what it takes. It takes a guy that. <laughs> that, that is a loney from an MLS club to yeah. do that. And who was one of the most exciting players that we had last season? A loney from San Jose, right? Like, is that Bob really building the team for success or is that, Oh, well, here's some guys that look really good, but we're not going to keep them because they're loanies. I mean, maybe we'll try to re-sign Eddie. And I think if he wants to play here, Bob will sign him. Um, got the connection, but, but I could, I could also see him turning around next year and like kids are not getting any minutes. <laughs> like, like it just fe- it feels like a very Dane Kelly kind of thing to happen where, you know, anyway, so. I, I also think, Kev, sort of what you referenced there is a the difference between building a team and building a club or an organization. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think that Lily coming in every year and saying, I'm going to build a team that's going to do this thing and it's and we're going to win. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, it's very easy to scrap that and try again next year as opposed to sort of the Louisville and I think to a certain extent the Tampa model, which mm-hmm. is also showing to pay off where it's organizational. So regardless of who comes mm-hmm. in as a manager, you have a system in place and the club just keeps rolling. Yep. And so I think what I'd love to see is I'd love to see us get to the point we are where we're like a Louisville or we're like a Tampa where we have this mm-hmm. organization. I think if the Lily model was working, if we were consistently making it to the finals with different players and different great, I'm all for it. But we're now in the fifth year of sort of Lily doing his thing. And to this point, we've never made it to the Eastern conference finals. So at a certain point you need to sort of assess what is the goal here and try to figure out how do we get better? How do we, how do Mm -hmm. we get to the point where fans feel confident beating Louisville? And not only not getting to the, to the conference final, 
losing twice the round before to the team right. that in eight years has gotten there eight times, mm-hmm. right? They've had eight chances they've gotten there because of their organizational structure and what they've built. And our teams are not getting there. Yeah, I, I agree. I Look, I, I think at, at my core, I am completely on the same page of, of, of both of you of how you're kind of saying this. Trying to put a little bit of something <laughs> around it. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say like, given where we were before Lily came here, like, okay, look, look, I don't want, I don't want a lesser city situation where I don't know where we make the finals and we win, but we can't repeat that year after year after year. Mm-hmm. Given where we were before Lily came in, I think if we don't, if we want the opposite of that kind of lesser city situation, I think it only like it kind of has to take time. Like you can't just become the greatest club like overnight unless you're Newcastle. Um, <laughs> and then like uh, so in some ways making the playoffs every year since Lily's been here. Yeah, we, we are naturally in the conversation every year for fans mm-hmm. in the USL about a strong team in the East. That's progress in the club. It like mm-hmm. it, and I'm happy about that. Like the the opening of the training complex looks great to me. That's progress on a club level. Um, so I don't think while I agree with both of you that, yeah, it's like, hey, like Lily, show me the show me the conference finals, show me the you know USL finals. On the other hand, I, I you know I I think it takes a long time to build lasting, you know, organizational whatever, and to me directionally we're still heading in that direction i agree um i and i think this off season is where it gets really interesting for me to see are we moving in a different direction or are we still stuck in the bob lily one in one uh mindset because we re-signed what we picked up options on nine players last season last off season and the majority of those were bang on starters or at least uh coming in or swapping out right i mean you look at our center back sure uh, an extra center back in there um uh but that's because we picked up uh ordonez right i mean otherwise it would have been uh peters williams and wheat as as those players um uh but if we don't find a way to resign a large portion of those players who've made a big impact on the quality of the team the past two seasons, then I don't think we've moved forward in terms of building towards the future because how, because then we're starting back again with, well, now we've got to replace nine veteran players that are bought into the system, that know how to play the system, that we're executing according to the system and a big reason why we were successful after two seasons to starting over with a new crop of players and going from there, right? So I'd like to see us in the place where uh, the people fighting for minutes are not guys coming out of college. I'm okay with one or two guys coming out of college, but I think this season in particular, way more quality from the college guys. I mean, the fact that for the most of the season, we had two first year pros starting, uh, before Nato Santos got hurt. Um, uh, I don't think we can rely on that year after year after year of that type of quality coming in. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing uh, a Shane Wheat and a uh, Robbie Mertz having to play for time, right? Like they, that they're 
there's competition, that they're not just, we're assuming they're going to start when they're healthy players, right? That, that's where I think we have the opportunity to push forward and keep these players and move forward and give them actual competition going forward instead of giving them Mark Ibarra, who had his great moments this season, but is probably still two years away from being an everyday starter in this yeah, two years away from being an everyday starter in the league. Yeah, I agree. But I just, I'll have you bar for his penalty against Birmingham alone. But yes, I agree. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> so two, no, no, I, I'm convinced in, in two years, we're going to be talking about how great Mark Ibarra is. And he's going to be the next Danny Griffin, right? Like, like he's going to be great after his third year as a hound. <laughs> so two, two thoughts on that. One, you just mentioned Danny Griffin. I think this offseason, I believe we didn't even uh he was out of contract and we re-signed him for one year mm -hmm. so to only sign a player like danny griffin for one year mm -hmm. and then have him go on to be like the hounds leader in terms of minutes played and how much we relied on him is kind of ridiculous like we need yep. to get beyond this one and done thing because that gets back to the team versus the club like mm -hmm. are you part of the organization or are you part of this year's team i also think that there i mean so I know I draw a lot of parallels between us and Aston Villa, but Aston Villa just got a new manager and a lot of the fans are contemplating what does this mean for the club as an organization? And there's a lot of discussion around the fact that sometimes the manager that you have isn't necessarily going to take you all the way to the top, but they get you to that next step where then the top becomes viewable. They're not going to take you to the top of Everest, but they're going to take you two summits closer to Everest. And then you're going to get another guy that's going to take you there. And this is not me in any way saying Lily out at all, but Kev, to your point prior to Lily, we were just happy to make the playoffs. And it was like every other year we were in and we were out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's no longer the standard. The standard is we make the playoffs every single year. So mm -hmm. now how do we go from making the playoffs every single year to taking that next step? And I think that is one of those questions that, you know, Steve, to your point, it's been five years. We, we need to be having that conversation as a club to say, okay, we're, we're, we're tired of making it to the first round of the playoffs and then bowing out, or we're tired of, of running into Louisville and then bowing out. So what is it that we need to do to take that next step? Is that longer contracts for some of these players? Is that more, uh, you know, bring in, um, you know, bring in sort of a, a, a front room manager that's really helping recruit players for a system rather than mm -hmm. just a every year team. What is that next thing? And I yeah. think that's what's going to be very interesting heading into this offseason is do we do anything mm -hmm. or is it just more of the same? Because if it's just mm -hmm. more of the same to expect that it's going to be any different, we're going to face Louisville in the playoffs mm -hmm. next year and I'm going to feel awful about it. Yeah. And maybe we'll win, but in that scenario, it might feel more like a fluke than actual progress. And so we need to get to the point where we're feeling like it's progress. So, yeah. 100% agree that even in the 80th minute, I was thrilled, but we were going, mm -hmm. going through. And I did not feel like it was because of a long-term change, right? So like, hey, we, we played really well tonight. We beat a good team and great, but on another day, we could have lost 2-0 at that point, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's that type of margin with the team. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask a few more questions as it relates directly to this game, but I don't know if it's really worth it. We sort of danced around all of them. I think first and foremost, both goals by Ciceroni were golden. We sort of talked about it a little bit. Again, 
the, the, his second goal in particular, where he's sort of in all alone on the keeper, zero doubts that he was going to, that he was not going to score. Like it was just like, he's done literally. I think it was 10, 20 minutes later, Dequa gets the exact same pass, plays it right into the keeper. And that's not a knock on Dequa. I think Dequa has been amazing all year. He's just not that player. And I think we need more clinical finishers like Ciceroni, where it's just like, it's done and done. The mm-hmm. fact that he got a yellow card from the bench late in the game, I thought was hysterical. <laughs> um, I thought they were giving it to Lily. And the final yep. was from Ciceroni. I was like, good for you, Russ. Um, yeah. And I mean, I really want to know what he said. I kind of do too. Yeah. We'll have to, we need to, we need to get him on in the off season and ask him what exactly happened there. Um, he may have blocked it out by this point, but um, I think the one big question that everybody's sort of asking at this point is as we were heading into pens, what was your mindset? Did you, did you like on a scale of like, we're going to win this to like, I'm really not sure to no chance in hell. Where were you living Steve before we went into pens? Uh, going into pens. I was just like, of course, of course, this is what it comes down to. <laughs> it's not, uh, a terrible offsides call. Uh, that would have gotten us the win. I it just, of course, this is what it is. Sure. It, is Jamali going to make a save? Maybe, but maybe not. I mean, this is, it's, it's a crapshoot. It's, it's roll the dice, right? I if mean, you had asked me if it was going to go the way it did, I would have been like, no, like I, I would not have predicted that specific outcome of Griffin missing the first one, but it's penalties. Like, <sighs> there's no there's nothing to put into that it's just it is what it is right there's there's two ways to look at that i mean one was that we literally just finished a game with birmingham where we were in pens so okay we have some experience with pens but the flip side in what i immediately started thinking was they have all of our footage on pens they saw 10 takers take a pen and literally i think griffin went the same side as he did last week so or the week before so it's just and that's not a knock on griffin it's just like that's kind of what happens when you have pens i was kind of hoping that Jamali would save one or two. Like I kind of thought like, okay, especially in the Birmingham game, it was clear that he wasn't just straight up guessing. Like mm-hmm. he actually was, he, he saw something and could make a save mm-hmm. and was making a save. So I felt like there was a chance, but then, you know, after they had two or three takers take it, I was like, it's Louisville. Yeah. They're, they're just going to keep making them. And that's just kind of where we're at. Kev, how did you feel on that scale? heading into the pens were you confident at all no oh yeah um i was feeling like how i always feel going into pens 99 percent of my brain was it's 50 50 flip a coin um if you're pushing me for like what that one percent of my brain was i i thought like no i you know (laughs) we got this you know just because of the fairy tale nature of how it went against Birmingham, um, the amount of courage and belief the team showed in Birmingham. I think those are the two things you need in pressure situations like uh, penalties. So no, I still felt confident, but I, I the forefront of my mind was this, I can't be mad at anyone in a penalty. Like, in, unless you like, boot it way over the bar or like you know whatever you know it's it's a penalty shootout so yeah yeah i i 
when we were up two nothing in the game, I just got this inkling and I was like, we should make it three. Like we should really push for three because Louisville's not out of this game. And so we got to pens and it it felt there's one or two ways it could go, right? I talked about the hope. It was like, okay, the team got our hopes up and we're gonna be rewarded and like this is gonna be great, or they got our hopes up and we're just all gonna be deflated in in a matter of you know five minutes. But, but they did go for three. And none of us had confidence because I, it was Albert Dequa in the one-on-one, right? Like, <laughs> like it's not that the team didn't make the effort. Yeah, yeah had I agree. The chance. I agree. I agree. We just didn't do it. So yeah. I, yeah. I, and when it came down to pens, I think one of the things that we've all sort of been saying here is just that it's Louisville. This isn't Birmingham. So right. like, it's, it's a completely different ball game. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I didn't feel good about it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I had hope, but I didn't feel good about it. Um, so yeah. So, okay. I guess anything else about this game that you guys want to discuss before we sort of move on to other things? No. Okay. Good. <laughs> let's, let's move on. So a couple of just sort of end of season wrap up things that we want to touch on, um, briefly, like I mentioned, we're going to do sort of a full season recap and, and do all of the, like, what players do you hope stay kind of thing later? We're not going to do that today. A few things to note. One, uh, Kenny Forbes was named to the USL all league second team. Uh, he ended up the season with 10 assists, three goals. The league leader in, uh, had 11 assists. So he was only one assist off of the league leader. And interestingly, he's made either the first or second USL all league team all five years that he's been a hound. And he was an MVP finalist in 2019. So 2019 was that year that we ended up winning the East. Um, well in the regular season and then, yeah. lost to Louisville in the playoffs. Um, the other big thing, Kev, you sort of already alluded to this was that the Hounds announced the opening of the AHN Montour facility, uh, which is huge. If you have not mm-hmm. seen the video, um, head over to the Hounds website. It's really, really impressive. It's a 78 acre facility, mm-hmm. which is huge. 20,000 square foot medical facility. So it seems like in addition to being there, you know, physically as a soccer training center, there's actually going to be medical physicians that are there in residency where families can like take their kids or if you're injured or sick, like you can go and see your doctor there. There are x-rays and MRI machines on site, which is like a hospital level type stuff. Um, The gym looks insane. I've been watching and we could talk about this. I've been watching Welcome to Wrexham. I don't know if you guys have been watching that at all. Uh, Their gym is like putrid and so i was like oh we get this gym. this gym is amazing like mm-hmm. this is i don't want to call it like premier league level gym but nobody else in the usl has a gym like this it's it's insane no, it's it's beyond i think it's one of the, i think it's one of if not the biggest training facilities in the country for yeah that's that's what they were touting was that it was the biggest in the country there are three turfed fifa regulation sized fields mm-hmm. one of them is indoors and then they are building seven other fields that will be ready in 2023. So this is also going to be the home of the academy. Uh, so you're going to have a lot of youth players there all of the time. I thought it was interesting. The indoor field, when they were doing like the drone shots, it, it's probably just me. It felt like the field was bigger than Highmark. So I was kind of like FIFA regulation, like I get it. And I'm assuming Highmark is FIFA regulation. But we also know that FIFA is just a little bit narrower than other fields. I can't imagine that they would build a field that is bigger than what's at Highmark because you kind of want to train on what you're going to play on. But yeah, that'll be a question that we can sort of ask after the fact. 
Um, at the ribbon cutting, uh, Mertz, uh, you know, we're always looking for hints of like, who's going to be around next year. Mertz, Ciceroni, Forbes, Griffin, Dequa, and Wheat were all there. Um, and, and Ciceroni and Forbes got to cut the ribbon while I think they had Griffin and Mertz were holding it. And the other guys were just there as eye candy. Um, remind me again too, isn't Mertz technically here on loan still? No, no. It was a permanent signing. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. No, that was, that was a full transfer. I don't know why I thought that yeah. was loan. Yeah. Yeah. But I put um, no stock in any of, and any of the who was here versus who wasn't there. Uh, yeah. primarily because... We were looking at that, and I don't know. If I recall clearly us having the conversation about Mertz being at the uh, Turkey Drive. Oh, that's right. And then, and then a week and a half, two weeks later, he goes to Atlanta, or we find out he's going somewhere else. Right. Right. And so, I put no stock in who was there <laughs> or who wasn't there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, regardless, the facility is extremely impressive. Kev, you sort of alluded to at a club level. Uh, these are the steps you want to see your club mm -hmm. taking. I think, you know, I was, I was talking to my wife about it and she was like, wow. And it doesn't even feel like soccer is that big in this, in, in Pittsburgh. And I was like, it's getting there. Like, I think mm -hmm. these are the steps you've got to take to make it, uh, you know, what it needs to be. And, you know, the, the Whippeal playoffs are happening at Highmark again this weekend. And so Highmark stadium, this Montour complex, they're becoming the Mecca for soccer in Pittsburgh, which is what you want it to be. And so that's ultimately what's going to keep people coming to the club. It's going to keep people tuned into the club and it's going to keep the club growing. So absolutely positive steps in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, now we just got to see sort of things translate, you know, onto the field and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll be good from there. Um, guys, any additional thoughts on sort of the, the Montour facility? I'm just flipping through the photos now. Yeah, it looks great. I saw mm -hmm. the Twitter video, but yeah, the photos definitely give more of a, you know, full picture of what the complex looks like. And yeah, it looks great. I mean, yeah, I mean, to state the obvious, of course, like, I don't know, like, if you're a player there this season, and you've enjoyed your experience at the club, like, you're praying to God that you get <laughs> signed on for next season. So you get to work and develop and grow using the resources that this complex has. Um, yeah. Listen, we've, we've seen plenty of footage and we've talked to prior team presidents, uh, you know, in January, February, where they're plowing snow off of Highmark's field so they can train. Um, I'm assuming they're going to be playing in some heated, you know, indoor facilities this winter. So it's absolutely to our mm -hmm. benefit to be able to get more touches indoors in this facility. You have, if something happens, the x-rays, the MRIs, the physios on site, the masseuses, the chiropractors, like I, I'd love to go like, you know, maybe we should film something where we get the team to let us in there and just do like a day in the life and just sort of see what it's like. But, um, yeah, it's really, really good stuff. What's that? Yeah. Um, so that'd be sick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the other unstated aspect of it that I think is exciting for me is I know at least earlier in the year, and I'm assuming this hasn't changed that, uh, they were planning on moving a lot of the t operations of the team mm -hmm. to Montour, um, freeing up some of the boxes that have been used as offices, uh, at Highmark. So opportunities for some changes at Highmark, um, knowing that they've, the teams discussed what they can do to increase seating capacity overall. And, um, I know they're talking to, uh, Grubba 
they've had some different ideas on what they could do and um, had, I guess they haven't announced anything yet. So they were hoping they might have something. I think it sounded like um, at some point this season to, to talk about. Um, but HN Montour was supposed to open in the middle of the summer as well. And that got delayed. So I think it's just part of the, those, those things get delayed at times. Um, but I, yeah, it, it, it's exciting. And I think it is one of those things that indicates a step forward um, along with some of the other changes that we've seen over the past couple of years. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Let's, uh, let's button this one up. Um, you know, sort of two big questions. And I think that the approach to these is very different. So I think one is just mentally what um, I was going to say, like, if you could describe in one word, your feeling as a Hounds fan heading into this off season, what would it be? Um, Kev, give me, give me a word. How are you feeling just as a fan, not as, you know, anything else? I'm never good at answering questions the way you want me to. So I'm trying really hard to answer a question the way you want me to. What's a word that's something between fine and good? Because I don't feel good. But I feel better than fine, so I don't I don't know what that word is. But decent, yeah, decent, yeah, I like that, yeah, decent. That's my feeling going into the offseason. Why do you feel decent going into the offseason? Because it was such a I don't know. For me, the playoff performance was such a turnaround from how the season looked like it was going to end, and so be, just because of the recency bias of it all, I'm I feel better than I thought I'd feel, and so that might wear off given more time to reflect on how the season actually went based off of how I thought it kind of should go based off of like the players we had and the start to the season we had and all that stuff, you know, given time, my overwhelming feeling might drop from decent to fine, but that's, I think it's, you know, because of the positivity around the <laughs> complex, what, I'm just I'm picturing a t-shirt that literally has like fine, decent, good. And that is Kevin's scale. It just lives somewhere on that range. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I'll stop there because you're looking for one word. And I went into a monologue. So. No, I, I didn't say I didn't want the reasoning behind the word. So that's fine. <laughs> Steve, what's your what's your word? Uh, so my reasoning is really similar to Kevin's, but it makes me apprehensive. Mm. Because... I don't know if the things that made the end of the season success are going to be there next year. That's <clears throat> Russell totally fair. Danny, yeah, I... uh, center backs, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, if they are, then I feel great going into the next season. But if we're rebuilding, I don't feel great. So I'm apprehensive right now. Agreed. I think my word, and I did not mean for this to be this way. I think we just sort of talked me into it essentially is just hopeful. Um, I think that honestly, <clears throat> I think that some of the, uh, yeah, some of the uh, most exciting times for fans of a team is anytime that there's a transition, because I think that in the off season, you get extremely hopeful that as the season comes up that, you know, you're, you're going to do well. And then you sort of see the rubber hit the road in the first game and you're immediately like, oh crap. Like that's not the past three months were really exciting. And now all of a sudden we're like, this is going to be awful. Or you're like, well, okay, it looked okay. So we're going to try to keep our hope up. 
But after a while, you just get into this like rut. And so anytime that there's a change, anytime you bring in a new player, anytime you have a new manager, anytime something new happens, you have this new sense of hope. And that's really what drives fandom. Um, so I, I'm going to say hopeful. I think there's a lot of things that could change that. And I think there's a lot that we're going to see in this offseason. I still think we're probably a season or two away from having somebody like a, you know, like a, a front end manager kind of thing. Um, front end, I'm totally talking software at this point. Um, what do you, what do you call some like director of soccer? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like a director the guy of in soccer. Charge of, yeah, exactly. Like Jeff, yeah. Jeff is sort of like operations. Yeah. Um, and so Jeff isn't really, and Jeff has said that he's not really that guy, but like, you know, having somebody that is that guy, we're probably a few years away. Although having Jeff might nudge us there sooner rather than later, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful and we'll sort of see what happens in this off season and, and we'll sort of go from there. And that sort of segues into my second question um, before we get out of here is, we just said, you know, what we think as a fan, putting on your toughy hat, heading into the off season, what are you, what are you thinking? You know, put yourself in Tuffy's position as the team owner. Are you thinking it's more of the same? Are you thinking that, you know, this was just bad luck? Kev, to your point, we played really good. And so do we just sort of trust what's here and hope that we get there next year? Or are you pushing for something more? Steve, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, if I'm trying to put myself in tough issues, he's got to be asking himself, I hope the question that we're all asking is, does something need to change? And if so, what does that look like? And how do we do that? Because I think he can look back and say, look at all that we've built. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you look at where the team, where the organization is, Mm -hmm. five years ago versus now when uh, he hired Bob. Um, playing in a stadium with a leased parking lot next door and uh, they, didn't own, they didn't own the land under Highmore. Right, right. Continuous turnover with the uh, uh, team president. He, I believe at that point he was acting as team president, right? So, so you look at that, you bring in a guy that actually knows how to do sports president stuff and then you replace him with a guy that has usl experience uh, in that time um you buy the land under the stadium and the parking lot um you sign some different partnerships to improve the stadium experience um and i think there's criticism that is valid criticism of what isn't working well but honestly it is a lot better than it used to be uh, mm -hmm. in the stadium um uh sure costs have gone up but you know what we hopefully we see that Contrib uh, continue to contribute to ambitious signings. What was Dane Kelly the answer? Obviously, in retrospect, no. But you know, making a signing like that—that's that—that is an intention by the team. I think that Tuffy should say, "I think that continuing to have those types of intentional signings, whether they work out or not, is what we want to do." And then you open AHN Montour, and yeah. that's a big step forward as well. So it's looking at those successes while also looking at. And then what on the field and trying to make that decision. I don't, it's a great thing about uh, being a fan on a podcast where we just talk about it. I don't have to make those decisions. So. We're, we're not writing checks. <laughs> right. Right. It's yeah. not my money, Tuffy. So spend the money. <laughs> yeah. Kev, what are, what are you thinking? Well, Put on your team owner hat. 
I was wait. I was gonna say, ask the f- question formally again, because I picked up what it was based off the context clues of what Steve was talking about. But just remind me again what the actual question was. Uh, the question was: If you put on your Tuffy hat and you are in Tuffy's position, what are your thoughts heading into the, this off season? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I think to to quickly rechop things that Steve just said and things that were said earlier. Given where we were pre-Lily era, I would say if you're looking at long-term, sustainable, good growth of a club, this phase is great. Uh, It's consistency, consistently moving in the general right direction of where a club should be moving. Great. I think it's arguable that that phase is now coming to a sunset thing and you might need to do something different Tuffy might turn around and say no I just need to keep making you know good decisions on the things that are in front of my face and that might be you know buying the land that might be doing this might be doing that um you know buying a a a club president who feels like they're going to be here for more than eight months you know like so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is if it needs to be a drastic shakeup to move us on to this kind of like, you know, if the first phase was pre-Lily era, if the second phase was Lily era, I don't know if we need to do something formal and different and jarring to transition us into this third phase. Like Mike, you kind of suggested of like, okay, well, is Lily really the person to push us to like, you know, USL finals? You know, that's, I don't, I don't know what that answer is. I, it could be, no, we just keep making the best decisions we can with the things in front of us and we'll keep slowly small stepping our way towards, you know, a championship. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, it, I, I don't know what the answer is there, but I, I think a baseline, you know, we're, we're still moving in the, in the right direction. That's all. That's all I know. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that, you know, Tuffy's an intelligent businessman. And I think that, um, you know, though doesn't necessarily always see eye to eye with the fans and that's to be expected. Um, I do think that there are some decisions that he's clearly made in the past that sort of indicate that he has a sense of when things are going well and when things aren't going well and sort of makes decisions, you know, he, he replaced Brant with Lily as soon as Rochester went under, he, he pounced on that. He sort of has pounced on, you know, Jeff as a president. And so I think that the pieces are slowly falling into place and just whether or not we move as quickly as the fans want the team to move is probably, you know, another consideration. But Steve, to your point, if you look back over the full five years at everything that has been done for this team, it's hard not to say like, Okay, you know, we're, we're doing a lot, especially, you know, talking to Jeff and sort of the ambition of what they want to do from an operations standpoint moving mm-hmm. forward and how long, you know, that might take. Uh, understandably, you know, some of the things they're talking about doing, you know, next year versus three to four years down the road. So the team is looking at things the right way. Um, it just will be interesting to sort of see how, what steps are taken this off season to progress that initiative versus just sort of allowing the, gears of the machine to sort of just keep grinding to sort of see what else Mm -hmm. we can sort of shake out so yeah yeah 
Um, I think the one other thing that I didn't mention in there that I think is really important is uh, average attendance this mm. recently. Um, I mean, it's been take out uh, what 2020 um, when nobody was at the games. Um, but if you had told me that last year we were going to come back after not having fans in the stadium and have our, I think it was our best attended average uh, ever. And then this year uh, looks like it has topped that. Um, mm-hmm. That That's a positive step forward for the team that I think we shouldn't sleep on as well. That regardless of some of those other on the field aspects, that drawing fans is an important part of being successful. Uh, those are those feedback into each other and um, continuing to grow the fan base is important. Yep. 100%. One other question. I, it's not on the agenda, but I'm going to ask you guys anyway, just to sort of get your lasting thoughts before we get out of here. Are you excited about the world cup? Kevin? No, excited is not the word I would use. Um, Where does it fall in the range of like, fine <laughs> good? It, it falls on about fine. Like, <laughs> um, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go out of my way. I'm not going to reorganize my schedule to watch certain games. Um, yeah. If I happen to be sitting on the couch and I don't know, it comes up on the TV. I, yeah, sure. I'll watch a bit. Do you, do you um, have a favorite or have you not been paying attention enough to like have a favorite? No, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I was talking to our parents, Mike, and my dad brought it up. And at the time, he was like, "Oh, who do you?" I was like, "I guess." I was. I was just thinking. I was like, "I guess France." But I guess what Conte and someone else are hurt for France, so mm-hmm. France look a little light because of injuries. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe still France, but you know, because Benzema and Mbappe and blah blah blah. But yeah, Steve, are you? First of all, are you excited? And then I can't be, I, but I just, I want to be, but the complete corruption and getting it to Qatar plus the time of year, uh, plus then I have to pay, if I decided not to boycott it, I'd have to pay for another streaming service for that time period. It's just like, it's much easier to not care. That's the other, I I think it's going to be Germany. If you're going to ask who I think my favorite is. Yeah. I don't even know how to watch it. Yeah. I I assume it's, I was like, maybe it's on one of the streaming things I have. I don't know. Who is, who is covering? I don't even know who's covering it. Do we know? I looked and yep. It's not, it's not obviously Hulu. So I, that's what I'm paying for right now. Okay. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. What I'll probably end up doing is consuming it through YouTube highlights. Yeah. I listen. I, it, there was an interesting article, and actually that reminds me, I was going to send that to somebody, and now I completely forgot to. YouTube is like trying to slowly become the everything everywhere like app because everybody watches clips on YouTube anyway. So now they're trying to absorb, you know, uh, what's going on on Paramount, or they're going to try to get their hands on what's going on on Hulu, so you can watch a show and then go watch like the recaps that people put together, you know, also on YouTube, or you could watch a live game and then go watch like the highlights or go watch the, the pundits, what they have to say on YouTube. Um, regardless, where was I going with this? Now I don't even know. Oh, how do I feel? I'm probably not going to watch it. Um, I mean, it, same thing. I, the fact that literally people are dying because they're trying to build these stadiums is just, you know, atrocious of the level of like, how is this still happening in the world today? So 
you have this weird thing where I can't remember if we talked about it here. or I talked with somebody about it where they said that you can still sort of support the teams, but then just choose not to support any of the sponsors. So like, don't buy Coke or don't buy Pepsi or whatever it may be to like, you know, make it, make a statement that you're not going to, you know, support that. I, I just don't, don't know. But Steve, your point of like, if I can't even watch it, then like, I don't care. I probably will go and be like, oh, USA won that game. That's cool. Let's go watch the highlights on YouTube for, mm-hmm. you know, 15 minutes and then, you know, go buy a Pulisic jersey because I'm super excited about the team now, even though I won't actually watch a live game or whatever it may be. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of who I think will win it, I saw somebody try to make the argument for uh, the final being uh, Portugal versus Argentina for like one more Messi versus Ronaldo kind of scenario. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think Argentina probably more than Portugal will have a chance of getting closer. But I, yeah, I don't know. Um, um, so I, for the fans that do care... Uh, <laughs> Fox and FS1 is where you can watch English language. If you speak Spanish or you want to be cheap and don't care about the broadcast, Peacock has Spanish language broadcasts. Oh, okay. Fox Fox and FS1 apparently uh, are both carried on Sling Blue. So there you go, people. There's how you can watch the World Cup. Friggin' all the different streaming services. I just learned that what MLS cut a deal with Apple TV+. Plus. So like MLS is only going to be on Apple TV plus moving forward. This is all getting ridiculous. It's the more inferior US league. It doesn't matter. I yeah, I, this is very <laughs> true. Listen, there we're going to do a, a whole episode on Wrexham, but like part of me was like why why are Ryan Reynolds I'll and Rob McElhenney? I'll skip that. That's uh, fine. One. That's fine. But the, 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 oh, my, I've been loving the show. It's great. Yeah, yeah. My thought was like why are Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney buying a team in Wales versus like they have the opportunity to buy teams here in America. And it's like pro rel that's the whole re I mean, Wrexham is a great story in and of itself, but they bought Wrexham with the hopes of like, this team will keep improving and we will keep moving up leagues. And you, you don't have that story. If they buy a USL team, you win the championship shows over. Good job. Yep. You did it guys. There's nowhere else to go. So like it's done. Um, yep. There's no drama. So USL, let's get that. Uh, let's get that pro rail rolling and uh, maybe you'll get some more investment and we'll go from there. So that's what matters at the end of the day. As a pro rel baby, ethics around that's, that's uh, all that matters. the World Cup. It's all about that's the cash. Right. It's all about the cash. Because <laughs> that's why the World Cup is where it is. <laughs> that's very, very true. I'll say this too quickly on the World Cup. I'll, I'll probably root for like Senegal because I really like Mane. And I, I think that'd be cool to set for Senegal. To because, because without Mane, Liverpool just crumbled. Oh, yeah. Man. Mike, that's exactly what it is. You hit it, you, you nailed it. Tifo, Tifo did a really good video on like what has happened and it's, it's been very interesting from, uh, you probably have seen it, but like from like the age profile of their players to like their golden, like everyone they're relying on is sort of outside that golden line of, of where you want people to be. And you don't have a lot of people moving up through and Mane had a unique pressing ability that they just haven't been able to replicate to this point, but that's not the whole reason. So. Yeah, because like at the end of the day too, you still have the likes of, you know, yeah. Benzema winning uh, the what's the name of the best player of the world award? I, Jesus, oh man, Ballon Ballon d'Or. Ballon d'Or, yeah. yeah. You still have Benzema winning the Ballon d'Or at like thirty four. So like I, yeah. you know, 
Well, and Lewandowski putting up the numbers he has at like 35. So yeah, what have you yeah. done with your life up to this point, Kevin? <laughs> 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 On that note, I think we wrap this one up. Um, you know, that's what we think. Obviously, let us know what you think. Um, I mentioned we're going to do sort of a big wrap up show try to get the whole crew on. Um, we'd love to sort of get what is what are your thoughts? We talked about a number of different things. We talked about our thoughts as fans. We talked about if we put on our ownership hat, what we might think there. Let us know what you think about excuse me. Let us know what you think about that. Um, we'd love to talk about it. We'd love to have the conversation. I think we're gonna have a lot more conversations, a lot more different conversations this offseason than we've done in previous years, which will be very interesting. So stay tuned for that. Otherwise, um, gentlemen, anything else that you guys want to talk about here? Nope. of head nodding so thank you both for joining me this evening weekly reminder that black lives matter we are proudly part of the beautiful game network which is home to more than 100 volunteer writers and podcasters covering local soccer help us all keep doing what we're doing head to bgn.fm and click the donate button help us cover expenses we appreciate the support otherwise thanks everybody we'll talk to you very very soon cheers see ya